The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This is real, Mike. Come say hi. Come say hi. Come say hi. Come on now. This is family. This is a family affair. Come here, baby. Come on. Let's hear it. Say hi. Hey, Maya. What's up, Maya? Look at (laughs) (laughs) Wow. My youngest. That's Maya Smith, ladies and gentlemen. Her office is right next to my studio. So she comes out and, uh, you know, my instincts took over. I'm like, like, wait, 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 wait. I'm about to start. Yeah, so thank you. You're right. She's been wanting to say hi to everybody. How you doing, baby girl? Good. Good. Okay. Well, you, you, go ahead. Good. Ah. We'll see you later, see Maya. You later, all right. See you soon. What's up, oh, man? man? How you yeah. doing? That's, 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 why, that's, why, that's why the show is just, I mean, there's so many things I love about this show. This has made me whole. It really has. And Mike, I don't know they've if you see the show. They've all been on TV they, before. You see the shirt I'm oh, wearing? Oh, that's today? dope. That's dope. Wait, what, is, what does it say? Is that Virginia HBCU? Union? There we yeah. go. Virginia yeah, Virginia, I was looking at Virginia, Virginia Union. Union. Yeah, no doubt. All right, HBCU. And, and Mike, look, it's HBCU week. And it's appropriate that uh, it, it was started uh, back in 1980 by Jimmy Carter, who would think about all the things that Jimmy Carter was. Not only was he a Southerner, uh, he's a man of letters, and he's a man of faith. So uh, Jimmy Carter, when he got to the White House in 1976, he had a lot of people in the Atlanta and, and Georgia area in general who really he relied on. And one of the people, I don't know if you know this, one of the people who had a direct line to, to Jimmy Carter in the White House was Martin Luther King Sr. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. MLK Sr. would call him up and say, hey, Mr. President, we got to talk. And, and, and one, there's one famous story where he called, he called uh, the, the White House and he was like, is the president busy? He's <laughs> like, uh, no, he no, can't. Not, uh, no, not really. <laughs> uh, uh, da- Daddy King, Daddy King, he can't talk to you right now. Well, all right, well, tell him to call me back then. Right. So uh, right. it's it's HBCU week, and we know how uh, significant this week is. It's it's a very important week. You know, you think about uh, the history of HBCUs. The first one, Cheney University in, in Pennsylvania, uh, just right outside of Philadelphia, started in 1837, and that is just to put that in context, that is almost like 200 years after Harvard. So think about that. Mm. First HBCU, 1830s, Harvard and Princeton and Yale uh, started hundreds of years uh, earlier. So I'm just glad that we're in a space now that we can talk about it. And there are a lot of wonderful things, as you know, that are associated with HBCUs. Yeah, no, man. Um, You know, I've always had a special relationship with the HBCU community. I mean, because now you went to Point Park College in Point Pittsburgh. Point Park. Not, yes. not an HBCU. All right? Not an HBCU. I went, to, I went to Loyola University in New Orleans. Definitely not an HBCU. In fact, we had a corner of the student, student union that we dubbed Africa. 
because all 15 of us used to hang out there. All right. So, yes, no, not, we had a black student union, but Which we were part? not at HBCU. Which part of Africa were y'all claiming? Are y'all claiming the whole continent? We're going to take everything. Uh, we didn't have enough people to represent the whole continent. But anyway, um, yeah, so, but uh, growing up in New Orleans, practically my entire family went to Xavier, uh, Xavier University in New Orleans. Um, yeah. A lot of friends from my high school went to Southern University in Baton Rouge. Uh, a few went to FAM uh, in, in Tallahassee. Uh, I felt like I went to an HBCU because McDonough 35 Senior High School was the first all-black high school in New Orleans. So I had I was at a I went to all-black schools throughout my uh, entire uh, you know primary education or, or and secondary education before I went to uh, before I went to college. Um, so I felt like I had something of an HBCU experience, something of I, I know I didn't get the real thing. But I felt like I had something of it. And, and I went to Loyola, great university, enjoyed my four years there. I went there because of the money and the journalism program. Uh, and at the end of the day, I decided to stay home uh, in New Orleans and go to school. Um, but also, too, man, just another we, we're talking about, you know, actual HBCUs. And I mean, we could literally spend a month, you know, just on the content that comes from the stories of the significance and the individuals that have been produced by HBCUs, and our HBCUs have helped shape this country's history, uh, not just for black people, but America as we know it. Um, I want to shout out a, a fictional HBCU, because uh, I'm 41, which means, yep. uh, you know, I was in my formative years in the 90s. I mean, who didn't watch A Different World and dream about going? You couldn't tell me Hillman wasn't real. When it was time for me to apply <laughs> to colleges, I was looking for like, well, where's Hillman College? I mean, because Hill, A Different World... And one of the greatest uh, treats of my of my career was, you know, uh, at ESPN when I was able to reenact or be a part of reenacting the Different World Open, the one that Aretha Franklin sang. Um, oh yeah, you know, and that, and that yeah. opened with with the and reunite the original cast of a Different World. But just to be able to thank them, to be able to thank them for just the example that they set for me, because if you think about a Different World and what it meant for the culture, and what it meant for HBCUs. I mean, it, it, it allowed me to, 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 to view college uh, and yeah. college for black people in a, in a positive light. So I wanted to go to HBCU because of Hillman College uh, and, yeah, and my years yeah, of watching Mike. Different World, 730 Central on Thursdays in there New Orleans. You know, a yeah. lot of people, a lot of people needed that affirmation uh, that you talked about. A lot of people just wanted to from their from their early educational experiences, even before they had the language to articulate what they were feeling. They were feeling something. Yeah. If, if you weren't, if you weren't uh, privileged enough to go to one of these schools or you saw a lot of people who looked like you or, pe or you were taught by those who looked like you, if you weren't in that, and you weren't in that situation, at times school could be uh, a very isolating experience. So exactly what you mm -hmm. said about the fictional uh, Hillman College and in a different world. All right, but think about that. Before a different world, that was a spinoff of the Cosby Show. Oh, I know he's yeah. been canceled, rightfully so. I know, I got it. Right. But well, all before he did we was knew, rep HBCUs. Yeah. Yeah. Before we knew yeah. who Bill Cosby really was, uh, we knew on the Cosby Show, and every week, I mean, there'd be some sweatshirt. You'd see something like Spellman, and then you'd see Wilberforce. So what's that? Central State, all of Grambling, and you know, all over. He was not only representing uh, HBCUs on NBC, but also 
uh, donating significant amounts, uh, significant amounts of money to these schools. He did a lot uh, for historically black colleges and universities. So did Spike Lee. Uh, Spike Lee, who was an HBCU More, grad, Brian Morehouse. Morehouse. Yeah. Morehouse. Yeah. So he did a lot. And there was some controversy. I remember it at the time when, when school days came out. Uh, and so <laughs> half pipe. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Half pipe. Yeah. You're not my cousin anymore. You're not my cousin. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Big brother all Wake my up! Lawrence <laughs> <laughs> Fishburne. Yeah. You think about that cast, though, by the way, Mike. The cast. Incredible. Like, Incredible. Oh, look, look at a lot of Spike's movies, his early movies. Oh, anybody who was anybody. Yeah. Wow. Anybody was anybody. Wow. Yeah. But he did a lot for it. And I was talking, to, uh, talking with my wife about this the other day. Uh, she, she's a little younger than I am, slightly, slightly younger than I am. So she's saying, she, she said when she saw uh, School Days, she was so young, she thought, okay, maybe this is a Hollywood <laughs> representation of this college that doesn't exist. So I think that's part of it. Right. You know, depending on where you grew up, a lot of people just don't know about these schools and they don't know the history of these schools. Like why, why they're so significant in American history because they didn't exist. They didn't exist. And so you have people, you have hundreds of thousands of people in this country who had no, had no educational outlets and it was even illegal uh, early for them to even learn. And so yeah. because of, because of a lot of churches uh, and a lot of uh, brave people, a lot of strong people, who were dedicated to their communities, this is how uh, HBCUs started. Yeah. And, 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 and after 1837, just kept popping up. You are, you are so professorial. It's really incredible. Like every time you speak and you're teaching, uh, you're like a lesson plan. Uh, a walking lesson plan is what you are. No, but we've also, I mean, just even in recent months, had something of an ongoing um, celebration of HBCUs, given our knock on wood, future vice president of the United States. But for now, vice presidential nominee Kamala Harris, pride of HU, the Mecca, not to mention the late great Chadwick Boseman. So, you know, you have a lot of attention and the spotlight was was paid, um, you know, to, to Howard University in particular, but HBCUs in, in general, excuse me, you know, and the divine nine, even the fraternities and sororities. That got a lot of attention and people, you know, hopefully were curious enough to look into it and look into the people that they produced. And like I said, man, even though, you know, uh, I didn't attend an HBCU, I might as well have because uh, right. <laughs> I, well, I, hey, hey, I had a girlfriend at Southern. I had a girlfriend at Southern. You best believe I was at Southern's homecoming. You best believe I was at the Bayou Classic every Thanksgiving weekend growing up in New Orleans. Um, let, know, let me just, let me just point out, let me just help you. Yeah. Let me help you. Let me help yeah. you here for help a second. Help me out. Help me out. Help me out. You, you, help me. Help me you, you didn't, you didn't have, you didn't have a girl. You, you got your first girlfriend when you were in your mid twenties. That was your first girlfriend. You had no history. <laughs> okay. You had no girlfriend. <laughs> what are you talking no, about? I, mean, listen, I, 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 I appreciate, I appreciate, I understand what, what you're talking I appreciate about. what you're trying to do. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but let's just say my wife ain't married no amateur. So, you know, she, she knows that I brought some experience. It's real, me. brother, from another on a Friday. Let's just put it on that way. On a Friday. Let's I love it. it. Hey, man, listen, I want to I wanna show some love, and I want to bring in a couple of brothers who did attend HBCUs, and not just any HBCU, the Mecca, Howard University. I want to bring in a couple of brothers who I got so much love for, and that is Jim Trotter and Jim Steve Trotter. Weiss. 
both longtime NFL reporters. That's Look at what these you know dudes. They, they, these guys know the NFL inside and out. But more important, throw up the picture of their new podcast. It's called Huddle and Flow. Okay. And <laughs> on this podcast, Steve. Who came up with Jim, the title? Not was, only, it, was it Trotter? Was it wait, Trotter or White? Who came up with the title? Yeah, who came, who came up with the title? Neither. Who was it was also Howard Mann. There you go. There you go. There it is. I, I want y'all to see this. Look at this artwork. Look at this. If that ain't pimping, that is befitting of Jim Trotter and Steve Weiss right, right there. They bring 40 plus years of combined experience and they got unfiltered, entertaining conversations about issues on and off the field. And they discuss the HBCU experience both then and now and the significance of, of HBCUs and their contributions to sports and society. So let's just start there. I'll start there with you, Trot. Um, Billy D. Williams' uh, voice of yours, man. It's good to talk to you. Just, just kind of speak to the significance, first and foremost, of, of Howard University in your life and your career. Oh, I don't think we have enough time to speak to the significance in, in my life and my career. Um, you have to remember, I grew up going to predominantly white high schools and white high schools, period, or schools, period, I'm sorry. And once I got to Howard, it was, um, I can't even begin to put into words. I just felt at home. You know, I was at a place where I felt like I was more than a number, that the expectations for me were such that I was going to succeed. It was a nurturing atmosphere. And I loved it. And, and I can say to this day, having graduated in 1986, that if I were to do it all over again, I would be right back there. Steve, you feel Steve. the same way? Yeah, look, and, and I had the experience of going to a, a PWI, you know, predominantly white institution. For two years, I went to the University of Missouri to play football and really felt isolated. You know, and I grew up like Jim in a suburban town outside of St. Louis. Majority uh, white students never had, I think, but one or two black teachers my entire career before I got to college. So I transferred to Howard and immediately it was like, whoa, OK, I, I'm not over here. I don't have to go to the two fraternity parties every week to be with black people. And so it was really, you know, the, the competition, what I'll, what I'll say to you this, Howard will bring out the competition, everything, how you dress to go to class, to <laughs> Mike was just talking about, to, to pushing you in school. So I transferred in right as Jim and Kamala were transferring out, you know, and I was there with Gus Johnson and Stan Verrett and Frederica Whitfield and Michelle Miller. I mean, Jim will tell you, I'm sure his class was just as strong, that cluster. So we were all driven competitively in so many different ways. And I think that's where the carryover into real life really happened for me. Tell me, tell me about the, uh, the, the podcast. I mean, it's a, it's a, great, it's a great title. Neither one of you came up with the title, so I need to know who came <laughs> up with it. And and just what what you are looking or what you are looking uh, to get out of it. Well, our producer, one of our co-producers, Thomas Warren, came up with the name, and he's a Howard man as well. And um, we were thinking about all sorts of names. Something is, is, and Steve came up with something like we we got issues, and I love that. But others thought, no, nah, it's a, it's a little too confrontational, or the connotations aren't what you might want. Um, but really, all it is, guys, it's like you and I sitting down having a conversation, and we come from a perspective that's different from some of our colleagues, our white colleagues. And so Steve and I, when I first got to NFL Network, we talked about doing a podcast, and we're now in a climate where um, the league felt comfortable allowing us to do this, this, this podcast. 
And I couldn't be happier about it because, you know, Steve brings a certain experience, life experience. I bring a life experience. And we just sit down and we talk about what's going on. And it's not just football. It's life. It's family. It's television. Whatever. And, and guys, the one thing about that's really cool, when Jim talked about we, we've been trying to do this for two years. I mean, in all honesty, we first proposed it. We were laughed out of the room. We were, mm. we were, we were made to feel like we wasted somebody's time. And so now in this climate, when a lot of people want to pat themselves on the back for being woke and coming up with initiatives that mm. represent people, it was brought back to us. So Jim and I were like, however we get it, we're going to make it real. We're going to make it important. We're going to give voices to people who have not had them. We will take on the NFL, even though our employers, those are the first three letters of our employer's name. We challenge them. We have people on challenging some of Love the it. marketing machine that they're coming up with, like lift every voice and saying, that's nobody asked for that. Right. So we have discussions talking about this with sports people, with non-sports people. And I got to say this about my guy, Jim Trotter, and, and you guys know this well. His ability to draw information out of people casual conversation is uncanny. Uh, we just had a great mm-hmm. conversation with Doug Williams on HBCUs and with Deion Sanders is going to face at Jackson State and with Larry Fitzgerald. And what Jim was able to really pull out of this, everybody should hear. So, look, it's a go-to yeah. if you're t- same type of sports guy podcast. It's absolutely Don't, don't let Steve fool y'all, man. Steve is bringing it out, too. It ain't just uh, no, me. No. both of us. So, <laughs> trust me hey, on that. Look. Hey, listen, you know, I got love for both of you brothers. Both of y'all have looked out for me, and I have modeled a lot of my game. I, I started out as an NFL reporter, and trust me, I was joined at the hip with Jim Trotter uh, and Sam Steve wait, White. Wait, so hold I, I got, y'all don't know. I remember my, first time I ever saw Michael Smith, I'm at a Raiders press conference in Alameda, and this young brother's sort of in the back of the room, and he's standing up <laughs> while everyone else is kind of fidgeting about what questions do they want to ask or should I ask this. And Mike's just like, what about this? What about this? <laughs> and I was like, this brother's going to be all right. You know, you never met him, didn't know him. He was, he was back in Boston at the Globe. And I was like, yeah. he's going to be all right. And look at him now. He's here with Michael Holly, and they both bring a game. I'm proud of you both. Absolutely. Appreciate you. And, and, and Steve, you. everything Thank you, you just said about how it was received two years ago, you could – Take that and insert Michael and I's story. It's the same story, yep. man. So you are same definitely story. preaching to our, our souls right there. And by the way, while we're showing love, a lot of people don't realize this. The, the conversation around Colin Kaepernick is so mainstream, if you will, or so universally accepted. And we're so far removed from his original protest. People don't remember that. Steve Weiss is the person who first asked Colin Kaepernick. First asked Colin yep. Kaepernick, why were you sitting for the National story. Anthem? And the rest is history. That's the Steve Weiss story, just in case y'all didn't know where this entire conversation started, at least the modern version of it, it started with Steve Weiss. Um, I want to ask, though, just about, you, t- you say you talked to Dion. Oh, excuse me, you talked to Doug Williams about Dion taking the gig uh, at Jackson State. Steve, for those of us who haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast yet, and again, you can find it on Apple Podcasts, um, what did Doug have to say? Again, Grambling State alum. Uh, former Grambling State coach, and most people know him as the first black quarterback to win a Super Bowl with the Washington football team back in 87, 88. What did he have to say about Dion going to Jackson State? Well, Jim and I, since we couldn't get Dion because he's got another podcast obligation, so he can't go on other people's podcasts, 
Um, Jim thought it was it was appropriate. Jim and I thought it was appropriate to have Doug because Doug has been right. Doug was a household name. He started coaching at Morehouse. Went to go coach Grambling. But we talked about some of the things that Dion brings: the ability to recruit, the ability to draw spots, um, the ability to bring teams to a camp that they rarely is happening. Remember, this is what produced Glenn Barney and Walter Payton and schools like that. But also, Doug had the great perspective of fundraising at HBCUs. It's very difficult because HBCUs, when people give money, they often you won't let you earmark it for an athletic program or a particular sport or whatever. So Doug was just fantastic talking about that. But guy, he was also very good. Doug is on several committees working with the NFL to increase diversity among coaching and general manager hires. And he was exceptional talking about that because, remember, most HBCUs are not going to play into the spring uh, when it comes to football. There's only one player from an HBCU drafted last year. Now they're going to be behind the eight ball in terms of drafting players. So Doug's on a committee to bring awareness to some of these draft-eligible players. So it's really wide-ranging and condensed uh, solution. But we did come up with the best answer on how owners um, can meet general manager and coaching candidates. And you guys can come Wait. to you now. Doug came up with it. We're having a cookout at Doug Williams' house in D.C., yeah, Whoa. he said his wife it. is going to make gumbo. I love it. So we're going to bring all the y'all this in. Listen. A cookout. I, a cookout. I, I, hold on. Y'all got a date? Y'all got a date yet? I was going to say, what is it? Juneteenth, maybe? Juneteenth weekend? Uh, of course. Naturally. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> That's what we spend no, in Juneteenth. What, what owner is going to say no to a cookout on Juneteenth at Doug's house? Knowing that we, say, if you do say I was no, we're going to put cookout. it out there. Exactly. Yeah, they, get to, they, get, they get the credibility. I'm invited to the cookout. They get that out of it, you know? <laughs> I, I got a couple of things for you. Uh, you know, Weiss uh, said something a few minutes ago, that, and it takes, us, takes me back to our first show. Our first show, we were talking about Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is such a powerful song for me and my entire family, that I said, uh, I said in our first show, I'm not ready to share that. I'm not ready to share that with the nation, especially when it's going to be pulled and tugged in this uh, often uh, contentious and very silly uh, political fight. Uh, do you feel that way? Uh, how do you feel about it, Steve? And how do you feel about it, Jim? Because I, I, I'm holding on to lift every voice and sing. I don't want to share it with anybody. It's not, it's not a matter of not sharing. I mean, I'm all about educating those who want to be educated and whatnot. It was when we're talking about police officers not being held accountable for shooting and killing unarmed black men and women, I don't need to hear uh, the, the black national anthem or something that I grew up in church singing or something that my family passed. I want to hear legislators talking about changing the laws that allow hmm. these types of transgressions to continue. I don't give a damn about this. In empty stadiums, you're playing it? I mean, that's just a bat packing. To me, it's something like people patting themselves on the back, like, look at this marketing gesture we came out with. Aren't we woke now? Nobody but that's my point. I don't want. I, that's, that's what I mean. I, but I don't want it to be. And, and what you're saying is right, 100. percent I don't want it to be caught up in like some marketing, uh, some shtick. It's it's much more than shtick to me. So put that aside. And as you said, you know, get to the substantive issues. How do you feel about it, Trotter? No, I feel exactly the same. Look, we have to remember it was only a year ago where the commissioner of the NFL said we have moved on, we have moved beyond all of this, and now what do we have? We have hashtags, we have in racism in the end zones, we have the names of social justice victims on the back of helmets, 
We have PSAs. And then we have Lift Every Voice and Sing being played prior to the national anthem. It's like the league is trying too hard to prove that somehow it is woke and aware. As Anquan Bolden said on our podcast regarding the fight for social justice, just do the work. The rest will take care of itself. And unfortunately, as you guys know, the NFL is always reactionary instead of being proactive. Stop trying Mm -hmm. to get people to pat you on the back and, and show that you are woke and committed to your players. Just do the work and the rest will speak for itself. And meanwhile, that same NFL is using a racist standard to deny players, former players, uh, claims, you know, for, that suffer from dementia, suffer from, from brain trauma, using a racist standard to, to, to reject their, uh, their claims there. Um, I know you guys got to go. But let me ask you nice this, Michael. To did, take, did you, uh, did you or anyone else who has followed the NFL for all of these years think that this CTE settlement was going to resolve all of this? Because I know I didn't. Yeah. No, I, 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 I'm I never sorry. Can you repeat that? I, lo- that I lost you. What did you say? No, no. Did, did, no. Did, did, can you hear me, Mike Smith? I, I, can hear, I can hear you now, Jim. I'm sorry. I was having uh, audio issues. What did you say? I missed you. No, I was just saying that did anyone really believe that the CTE settlement was going to settle this issue? Because there yeah. are a lot of folks I've been told even back in the beginning that all of these, these review processes were going to be dragged out and as, as morbid as this may sound, hoping that some of these players would pass away and the families would never see that money. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised mm-hmm. that there are these standards out there that are now inhibiting a, um, a retired player's ability to get money. Yeah, no question, no question. Yeah, sorry about that, man. My, my audio went out, dropped off for a second. So thank you for, for, uh, for, for that point. Listen, you guys were nice enough Take time out of your busy day. Y'all got another news-breaking interview that you guys got to get to. Before we go, I got one last thing. Actually, I got two things for you. One, can we please, please, please do this again? And by again, I mean regularly, okay? I want to do more of this with you guys. But two, real quick, you mentioned Doug Williams. A couple years ago, the Undefeated put out a list of the best HBCU athletes. They had Doug Williams at the top, obviously. you know, Crazy. Performance in Super Bowl 22. That's crazy. That's crazy. Historic performance, nonetheless. I'll let them live. So, Weiss, you first, then Trotter, your greatest HBCU athlete. I know that's putting you on the spot, but greatest HBCU athlete of all time. Oh, man, it's either, to me, either Wilma Rudolph or Walter Pate. Okay. I like it. I mean, I, I'm not going to argue with Wilma, but I'm going to go the other way in football if they Jerry Rice. All right. He's the go for so tennis. Yep. So we got Tennessee State. Uh, we got Jackson State represented, and we got Mississippi Valley State represented. And HU, the pride of HU, Steve Weiss, Jim Trotter, Huddle and Flow is the podcast. Love y'all, man. Thank y'all so much for falling through. Appreciate Our you. Other brothers. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Appreciate, Appreciate you, fellas. All right, yeah. It's great, man. Those are two guys. I mean, those are two fun. guys. I have so much respect for them. Uh, and I just uh, been doing it for a long time and doing it at a high level, Mike, as you know. High level. Uh, high level. Just, hey, before, res- before we go to break. Just respect it across. I'm sorry, go ahead. What's up? Oh, for sure. No, just for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, it's, and it starts with me, man. I, I, I love those dudes. They meant a lot to me personally and professionally. No, I just wanted to get your, your number one. You said it was crazy for Doug Williams. I don't know that I would put Doug Williams on at number one, but I understand 
you know, I get it. First black quarterback to win the Super Bowl, obviously went on and coached at his alma mater, Grambling State, led for the longest time by the late, great Eddie Robinson. So who's your number one HBCU athlete of all time? Jerry Rice. Okay. Jerry Rice. But, I mean, Hands down, Jerry Rice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, not only the, the best wide receiver, I think he is the best wide receiver in NFL history. We agree on that? Yeah. He's probably the best player. It, regardless of position, best player in the NFL. That, that's where I was going. Okay, that's where I was going. I was going that yeah. not only is he the best wide receiver, an argument can be made that he's the best player in the history of the league. I thought that uh, up until like four or five years ago when I started saying the best player in the history of the league is Tom Brady. Because I think what you're looking at, when you go into those, you go into that rare air, that's when we all start to nitpick, right? You're letting people behind a velvet rope, you're starting to nitpick. Ah, oh, sorry, bro, your shoes ain't shine well enough. You know, you look pretty good, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Your, your shirt's not tight enough. You got to start nitpicking when you're talking about the best of the best. And so I always go by elite years. How many elite seasons do, do you have? And so uh, Jerry Rice had a bunch of them, but I'd say like the last uh, three or four years of his career, okay, he started to fall off a little bit. Like Tom Brady, his first bad season, quotation fingers, first bad season, probably last year. And, he's, yeah. and, and, and he's, he threw for 4,000 plus yards, right? His age 42 season, best age 42 season in the history of football is bad for Tom Brady. So he is still considered an elite quarterback in his 40s. That's why I say he's the best player of all time, but the best HBCU athlete with all respect to Walter Payton and Wilma Rudolph and Althea Gibson and Earl well, the Pearl Monroe go. with that spin move. That's, but, that, but wait, you, that's where I got to go. That's where I got to I gotta go. Althea Gibson. Althea? First black. I got to go Althea Gibson, first black woman to win Wimbledon. And then do people know that she went and joined the LB, LPGA in 1963? But first black woman to win a single title in Wimbledon. And I also and give it to sang, Wilma Rudolph. And she sang Three a little time. bit, too. Do you know that? Yeah, there you go. But, she, but Wilma, I did. She was a singer. Uh, but then Wilma Rudolph, three gold medals in the, in the Rome uh, Olympics in 1960, overcame polio. So I would go with those two. But I, but I want to just share a story. It's a, you want to talk about you learn something new every day. Learn something new every day. I didn't know about this. We talk about football players. Let's talk about the original sack artist, Deacon Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think he coined the term sack. He's probably the all-time sack leader. We just don't know it because they didn't record the stats until 1982. Um, South Carolina State, but only one year because he came out of Mississippi vocational, but he was at South Carolina State for one year. Michael, do you know why? And I, and I read this. I want to see this in several different places to make sure it's true. But do you know why Deacon Jones was only at South Carolina State for one year? The school I don't, learned I don't. of his per- the school learned of his participation in the civil rights movement and revoked his scholarship. Mm. Who knew? Who knew? I, this, I, I learned that. I learned that today. This is an HBCU. I was, I was today years old. I was today wait years wait old wait. when I learned be clear. why South Carolina State revoked his scholarship. And HBCU revoked his scholarship because he was involved in the civil rights movement, right? Is that, is that what you just said? Okay. That, that's what I read. Hey, that's what I read. Let's bookmark that. Let's bookmark that uh, for later because it actually it actually ties into something that uh, I want to talk about. I hope we get to it today. How how sometimes things your- things look very simple, but it can be complicated at times. Things can be a little complicated, more complex than it appears on that's the excellent surface. Excellencies. 
That's an excellent tease. Hey, and we don't do teases, though. We don't do teases. Where's Maya? Tell Maya to come back and talk to Uncle Michael. Superstar Mike, is that facts? Jamal Murray, a superstar? No. No. A superstar is someone where the coach doesn't have to stand there at a press conference and say it, and then you talk about it on a show the next day to ask if the coach is right. <laughs> like a super right, a superstar that's is one definition. Okay, yeah. That's one definition. Be, I like yeah, that. There it is. That's one of that's like a fourth definition right there. See, this is why I'm gonna agree with you and say no, he's not a superstar, even though he's putting on a superstar-like performance is everybody, it's almost like, it's like top five conversations. It's like MVP conversations, like top 10. Everybody can't be in it. And if you start calling any and everybody a superstar, no disrespect to Jamal Murray, then it just waters down the definition. (laughs) Oh, no, you don't have to duck. Are you ducking? Are you ducking right now? That, that saying, didn't age well. That didn't age well. Oh, that oh, didn't, I mean, from when, since Wednesday, that didn't really age. That didn't age well. Not after last night. It didn't uh, after, after last night. Last so, night it didn't age well. So did I miss something? I was watching the game last night just like you were. Did I miss something? What happened? What happened in the game? Apparently, last night? Uh, apparently, you must be falling asleep while you were watching it. No, I mean, no. Shortly my man, after, my man, shortly yesterday, after. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, Jamal, well, when Jamal Murray went to sleep last night, he was on the internet in side-by-sides with Michael Jordan. Now, I'm not saying that makes you a superstar. I'm just saying he had a hell of a night last night. That makes me wonder if we need to be changing our mind about this young man. I mean, my God, was he incredible last night. Feel free. Feel free. I'm not not being a prisoner of the moment. I'm 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 just mature enough to wonder if we were wrong. Oh, my God. Look, dog. Really, dog? Really, dog? Yeah, oh. So and that's just one of three ridiculous shots he had. That's just one of three ridiculous shots he had. I mean, that's that might not have even been the best one. That was the one everybody was talking about. The fall away, fade away, floater over Anthony Davis in the fourth right. quarter. Or, or, excuse me, in the second quarter. And then there was another one. I don't remember what quarter it was. They all run together. I think that was the fourth quarter. No, that one was the second quarter. The layup was the second quarter. Look at this. This is what, this is what Jamal Murray went to bed with last night. Ooh. That's Michael Jordan from 1991 against the Nets. Nice uniforms Ooh. in retrospect. Um, that, that, that's actually, how, they that's actually what, did. They actually did have nice uniforms. Yeah, that's, that's Coleman. That is that's that's the conversation which we'll get to in a second. Chris Duncan. Well, okay. the conversation was whether whether that layup or Michael Jordan in the finals when he switched hands, otherwise known as the move, whether that was. Uh, the better layup, but that's the one that's the better comparison. But no, but there was that one. He had the fall away, fade away, you know, um, over Anthony Davis. And then he had yeah. one against Rondo where he switched hands midair and shot it left handed. I mean, he nice. was in his bag last night, as the kids say. See, this is why I, and I hesitate to say this, Mike. I hesitate to say this because when I start talking like this, I hear myself. You sound like a hater. You sound like a hater. And myself, half of myself says to the other half, you know, you really a hater. What's your problem? What's your problem? Are you mad because you don't know how to ball? Does this go back to your childhood when you had no game, when you were almost the last one picked? I'm telling y'all too much. (laughs) Yeah. No, that makes two of them. That's why we're sitting here. Yeah. (laughs)
But I, I'm, it has look, nothing to do same, with that. Same. I, same. I came to terms. I came to terms a long time ago. A long time ago that I was not going to be an athlete, and I'm good with it. So this has nothing to do with mm-hmm. it. I know I sound like a hater, but I know I know I'm not. Jamal Murray had a great just because a guy has a great shot in game four of a series. Oh, don't do that again. Don't do that again. No, no, don't no. Do I'm not again. saying the moment's not big. I'm not going there. That the moment, the moment is big. It's the Western Conference Finals. It's a big moment. But I'm saying game four of a series in a, in a game that they lost. So you're like, hey, you weren't watching the game last night? I was watching the game last night. He had some nice moves, and they lost. And they're down three games to one. So the superstars team, the team with two superstars, has gone down three games to one in their third straight series. Now, this is where, if you want to come back and say, all right, but you're full of it. Look at those numbers. Those numbers are great. And maybe this is the foundation for his superstar season in 2020-2021. Right. Okay. This that's is fair. like that's we, fair. we saw that's we fair. saw it coming. It's the appetizer. That's right. And he's gonna do okay. it consistently. No, superstars don't do it. Don't superstars do it consistently too? That's what, that was I mean, that's what I laid out the other day. So yeah. so okay. And it, it, can I stay with the Jordan? I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan, but since I know you know it was Jordan esque. Since that move was Jordan. I know how much you love Jordan. You wouldn't go to you ain't that crazy. I, I will I will put this playoff run this star turn because they may lose the series. But the winner in this series is Jamal Murray. And the winner in these playoffs, one could argue, is Jamal Murray. Uh, I'll compare it to, what was it, 86, the series against Boston, where, like, oh, yeah. you know, they, that was, that was, that was God and cleats. Like, they lost yeah. the series, of course, but that was when the world really knew that this is the guy. You know, if, if, they, if, you, didn't already, if you didn't know, now you knew that this was the guy. That's what we're seeing, I think, in this Western Conference. I'm not saying in this Western Conference Finals. I'm not saying Jamal Murray, Murray is the guy in the way that Jordan was. I'm saying, look, man, this is the, this is what was superstarish about last night. That move was against LeBron James. That move yeah. was against somebody's goat. And let's talk more about LeBron James, who fouled the crap out of him down the stretch last night. Props to LeBron did, for uh, asking for the assignment. I agree. Props to him for asking for the that. assignment. Appreciate oh, yeah. that, but you file the crap out of him. You probably twice, at no least call. once, but probably twice. Okay, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm with but you. When, all the way. But when, but when the man knows he needs to guard you, you've just become the man. It reminds me of Iron Man on that ship that was going to Titan in Infinity War, and Spider Man yeah. was like, "How can you be a friend of neighborhood Spider Man if there's no neighborhood?" He was like, "Okay, kid, you're an Avenger now." Last night, LeBron. Okay, kid. You're a superstar now. That's what that was. That was that, that he he had been announcing himself uh, himself throughout these playoffs. Last night, those I mean that was I watched it on loop all last night and this morning. Still can't believe some of the shots he made. We know what he can do from three. Even LeBron said it. The kid is special. Triple threat, three mid range, in the paint. You're right. And I and I said it Wednesday, and I'm not saying it. You know, so much has happened. You're not happened walking, in the course it, of you're not walking it back yet. You don't want to walk. No, I'm not back. walking it back. He still needs to okay. do more, and I don't like loosely throwing around that superstar mantle to like all willy nilly. But man, if, if this is not how a superstar performs, then, then I don't know what does that look like then. That's that, yeah, that's I mean, what superstars do. What Jamal Murray has been doing, that's what superstars do. There are only a, a few, there are only a few of them in in every industry. Okay. Yes. Let, let, let's say let's say. Our industry is TV. Let's just say, just for the sake of that, 
our superstar. Yeah, there's is, me. Is, there's is, me. Is, there's you. No, and maybe like no. some other dude. You know what I mean? No. Like some other, another, there's another Oprah, one. Yeah, right? Exactly. Who is it? Oprah? Yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, they're like, like a couple. They're like a couple people. But in, in music, in, in movies, like there are a lot of movie stars. There are a lot of leading men yes. and leading women. Yes. But just yes. like mega, unbelievable, unstoppable. Yeah, there, there are only right. a few of those. And I think in basketball, how many? I mean, how many? I, I don't. I, I think we struggle to find five. Don't we no, struggle I don't think to we find five? To find five. I, I think. I five. think you just have to be. I think you just have to be selective. You have to be selective when it comes to because you, you you can't have everybody. It's, again, it goes back. I said it Wednesday. I'll say it again. It's like a top five MC conversation. You can't have twenty people in your top five. You know what I mean? It's like it's like you, it has to be a cutoff, and you got to be real. To- you know. You just you just can't you can't bestow it on everybody because then it's hard to tell the difference. And also, you can't take it back. So once somebody is a superstar, that they're there. It can't next year. You can't not be a superstar anymore. So I think we should be real careful and deliberate and particular about who we give that to. But no, you're right. Everybody can't be one. I just know that this kid has been so fun to watch. Um, you know, he's somebody you tune in for. He's somebody you stay up late for. Uh, and when LeBron is giving him the kind of respect of saying, okay, I got to guard him, I think that says a lot about uh, his standing in this league, even well, if you're right, even if it's going into next year, even if it's just a precursor to what he's about to do next season and moving forward. All right, two things on this. Two things on this, Mike Smith. Okay. One, uh, you've mentioned this a couple of times, and one day we're going to have to have this conversation. I'm not ready to have it yet, but you said it's kind of like figuring out top five MCs. I'm not ready to do that today. I'm not ready to do it today, but one day we're just gonna have to go there. And and we may have sure. to get some we may have to get some help on it. Can I, it's just can, like, I it's, can I go? Can what? you what? It's just like what? No, go ahead, you go. I'm sorry. No, it's like it's it's you said you know, it's like top five MCs, but it's difficult because you might you might be looking at, hey, content guys. This guy these are the best writers. Uh, among MCs, or but these are the people that get the crowd moving. They just like they, these are the wittiest ones. These are the ones who could put it all together. You know, like, it depends on what you're looking for. I I don't think sales have anything to do with it. So that that wouldn't be for me. So I would I, I would need some. I think I need some people we respect in the game, like okay. Black Thought, come by and just yeah. kind of help us out with that list. But what are you gonna say? Yeah, no, where to see where, where to see that in there. No, that's that's good. No, I and, and I get it. It's like that's that's more subjective than typically an NBA superstar conversation is. I guess what I was just saying is a lot of times we start talking top five MCs, people like to name seven, eight, nine, or ten. And it's like, right. wait a second, or, or it changes day to day. I'm saying in ter- I'm trying I'm equating that to the superstar conversation. They'd be like, like, oh, there's Biggie. Naming. Yeah, <laughs> Biggie you can't name Nas. everybody. Jay. You know, because like I said, it just waters down. It, it waters down the definition of a superstar if everybody's a superstar. What I want to get back to though is the move. Who, which move was better? I don't know if this is sacrilegious or not, but which move was better? The MJ ninety one or Murray last night against LeBron? Which one was better? Who did it? Doesn't better? matter who. Doesn't matter who is against. So let me throw that out there. That that doesn't right, factor into it. it. But just. Just in just in terms of uh, difficulty, creativity, I think last night because that, okay. I, that was like th- that was like three moves. They're like at, so at some Jordan. point there were three. Point, I counted there were three. There are three mid-air adjustments on both 
Murray I'm waiting for him Jordan. to come down. But he almost like wrapped around LeBron. LeBron is there, he wraps around him, and then, so then it's getting by LeBron here. Okay, getting behind, getting by him, and then the reverse layup. Yeah. And that's probably and the underrated part. It's underrated. So, I mean, it's a, it's a reverse layup. No, it's not, it's not underrated. That's why we're comparing him to the GOAT. We're comparing him to one of the greatest moves in Michael Jordan's career. Okay, roll the side-by-side -side again with Jordan and Murray. Roll that one again, please. Because here's why it's still Jordan. It's, again, this is the playoffs. This is against LeBron James. Right. Murray's move was out of necessity. You know why Jordan did it? Because he could. Jordan would have yammed on my man. But he just is like, nah, I just feel like doing this. Watch, watch closely Jordan. He makes his adjustment before he he made his adjustment before he had to. He had to do that. Jordan could have yammed on him. Murray was about to get caught. And he made a great move. Jordan, Jordan did it. Murray was out of necessity. Jordan, because he's nice like that. He was like, Can't go wrong. Same, Can't as, go same, wrong as, against, same as against the Lakers in the finals. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to switch hands in midair. He just did it because he wanted to, because he could. I told you. I told you I had two things. One was my just my my MC parenthetical that one day we're gonna have to have the conversation. The other thing is, yep. okay. All that being said, this is nice. Jamal Murray is a superstar. Jokic is a superstar. They're down one three again. <laughs> Are they gonna win this series? No. LeBron's never lost the three one, but he has mm -hmm. come back from three one. Which right. If there was ever any question about whether or not this team was going to be locked in, or, t or it, the Nuggets aren't going to sneak up on the Lakers. Let's start with that. The, the Lakers are going to hear as much. You know, how many people last night, Michael? I don't know how much you were on Twitter last night. People had saved actually, in their draft. Surprisingly, surprisingly, you I was on, it? on there. I was on there pretty people good. Had, I, my, my tweet game is picking up a little bit. Anyway, go ahead. People, people had saved in drafts. The Nuggets have the Lakers right where they want them. Like, like literally, it just it was like clockwork. Right where they want them. As much as I respect the Nuggets, uh, and I, I expected a long series, and it still could be a longer series than, than maybe the, the, you know, the current status would suggest. No, I mean, as much as the Nuggets are going to feel and hear that, oh, we're, we're comfortable down 3-1. We've already come back twice in back-to-back -back series. From this situation, as much as they're going to hear that, the Lakers are going to hear the same thing. They're going to be more locked. They're going to be like, we cannot let this team back in this series. Ask the Clippers. Right. Ask the Jazz. The Lakers are going to be super locked in, led by LeBron, who has come back from 3-1 in the 2016 finals, of course. They are going to be so locked in on doing everything possible to not allow the Nuggets to gain any confidence or any quote-unquote, not that it matters much, momentum. And I, and, I, and I do think they're going to go ahead and close this thing out. Look, it could easily be, uh, you know, 3-1 Nuggets right now. These games have been so close. This is not me writing the, the Nuggets off. This is me just saying that I just don't see the Lakers I don't. being the team to let this happen again. Now, I'm trying to think of, of LeBron's history, but not just LeBron's history. The history, there was a chart last night, okay, all, all the teams that have that have blown 3-1 series leads, I think, in the 21st century. And, and if you really break down the list, you know it's not going to happen. All right, one of them is Orlando and, and Detroit in 2003. So one team was really good, Detroit. They just they hadn't figured it out yet. So Detroit was 0-3. Think about this. 
the 03 Pistons coming back against the 03 Magic. But what did the 03 Pistons do the next year? They won a championship. They kept going back to the NBA Finals, right? I mean, they kept going back to the Conference Finals. So that was a team that kind of found itself. It was in a tough position, and they figured it out. Other teams that have blown 3-1 leads, the Clippers, kind of a cursed team. Uh, another team that blew a 3-1 lead, the historic Warriors, but no. they blew a 3-1 lead to LeBron's team. So what I'm trying to say, Mike, is it doesn't happen often, and when it happens, you can look back and say, oh, I can see why that happened. I can see why oh, the Warriors blew a 3-1 lead because hey, LeBron's on the other side. So I know 3-1, the series should be over, but LeBron James an all-time great. And then the Clippers, they always blow it. So I can see why they would blow it. Ain't no way. Oh, run this back. Yeah. I don't care. Run this back. Ain't no way. Bad grammar. Good thinking. Ain't no way. The Los Angeles Ain't Lakers no are going to blow this series. They will win. They will be in oh, the NBA Finals. Listen, that's not even a hot take. That's not even a hot take. I mean, no, because it's, it's true. For, for, no, but for, for all the reasons you just laid out, like, like, you're not going on a limb with that. And I don't mean to disrespect what you're saying. I'm saying no, no, I don't. I don't. No disrespect yeah. taken. No, no, because you stand at the camera like you about to say something profound. It was just like, ain't no way they blow a 3-1 lead. Like, okay, gotcha. You know, that, that's, no. that's cool, though. That's cool. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. That's good. That's where good. where that's else good. am I supposed to look? I stare at the camera the all day. No, <laughs> that's true. It's, it's not like I'm next to you. It's not like I'm next to you. But my point in, in that is, yes, it's, but, but, you know, it's something you said a minute ago that was interesting is that you could always look back and say, oh, I could see why that happened. If, Huge if, if the Nuggets were to come back again, you'd also be able to see. I could, you'd also be able to say I could see how that happened, given that they've done it twice, and given how close this series has been, and in, uh, given that they have, let Mike Malone tell it, two superstars. That's and what he said. Mike Malone's probably on the phone with the league right now, the same way the Lakers were, saying, "Yo, what's up with these calls? I, I saw y'all overcorrected in favor of the Lakers. What's up with these calls?" So. And you said this, you know, we, we both know this. We both know how the math works. There is no home court advantage in the bubble to begin with. So if the Nuggets win game five and it's 3-2, they ain't got to do nothing but win one. And now, and then we cook it with gas. I mean, you know, it, it's one of the reasons why, whether it was 2016, I'm not going to say I called it, but I gave the, 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 I remember giving the Cavaliers a chance down 3-1. I guess they have four. Well, but it wasn't just that. It was the it was the dynamic of the series and the makeup of the series. But it's also three one seems impossible to overcome until it's three two, and then until oh. it's three three because you're not coming back from a three one deficit when it's three three. When it's three three, they both in the same situation, which is why Paul George saying when the driver's seat was ridiculous. The closer that series got, so you only got to win one to make it interesting. And you win two and not game seven, anything can happen, especially in a bubble, especially when a kid ain't go off for 50. So I agree with your ain't no way. And I don't right. see LeBron letting it happen for all the reasons we both laid out. But if it happened, I don't know that we should be shocked if it happened. I'll be shocked. I'll be shocked. And given the math. I will be shocked because you see that little caricature right there. You see that, that Michael Holly caricature really well done. And the first thing it says, it says LeBron the finals again. Mm. This is why I, this is why I'll be shocked because the league belongs to LeBron James. And I know we had a, a, a nice back and forth 
conversation about Giannis and MVP and and LeBron said he was pissed off that you know he he got he was in second place a distant second place no chance at first okay that's great right. that's that's about hardware and, and 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 Kevin Durant weighing in that's all about hardware but LeBron James is about to go to his tenth NBA Finals. And you think about, I mean, how amazing that is, Mike. He's been that's in Bill the Russell. league. This, that's, that's, this yeah. is right, but okay. Here, but here's the thing about Russell. This is why it's, it's amazing for LeBron at the age of 35. At 35, Bill Russell said, "Play this last game, player coach, averaged nine points a game this last season. I think 10, 9.9, 9.9 points per game. He was a player coach. Okay, see you later. I'm done. At 35." LeBron at 35 is giving you 25 points and 10 assists. But on top of that, Bill Russell, when he first came into the league, he, start, he, he came in as a champion. They won a championship yeah. his first year. LeBron coming in, it took him like three or four years just to establish this team as a playoff team. And I think they got to the finals in like 07. So that must what, like year four? The first yeah. finals appearance? Yeah. So it's still the worst team to ever make the finals. Absolutely, Michael Smith. You ain't you ain't lying. You ain't lied yet. Oh my goodness, what a terrible team that was. <laughs> wow. Um, All right. They, you know what? They lost four games. They should have lost eight. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> it's just like so it, bad. Uh, um, but anyway, this this is LeBron James's league. No matter what the uh, the MVP count is, no matter what the All NBA count is. He determines where everything is going. And so I just don't think well, that's, the Denver Nuggets or anybody else right now have the ability I feel you on that. to take this away from them. They can't take it away. All right, let's, let's be presumptuous. Let's, let's be presumptuous and let's, let's talk. Okay, 10th, 10th finals appearance. Nice round number. I mean, first of all, it's not just that he didn't make it until 07. It's that he's done it with the Cavs, the Heat, the Cavs, and now the Lakers. So, you know, Different from Jerry West or Magic Johnson or Bill Russell and Sam Jones and those 60 Celtics, he's done it with three different franchises but four different teams. Let's call it that way. All right, four different Ooh. periods. He, LeBron alone, is a dynasty. We talk about the Celtics dynasty. We talk about the Lakers dynasty. You talk about the Bulls dynasty, which is very much Michael Jordan. But th- you always talk about dynasties within the context of franchises. LeBron is an individual walking, living, breathing dynasty until yes, further notice. It's why I didn't get all hot and bothered about the fact that he wasn't MVP. I'm like, it was a 2019-20 season, regular season, MVP. LeBron James has the throne. And until he decides, like Hakeem in the subway, to renounce his throne, <laughs> he, you're right, it's his league. And that matters more than how many first place, first place votes he got from MVP. It's, it's his league. It's incredible. Ten, fi- ten finals. Ten. I will, ten I will say. Th- and and probably not be, done going. And, don't, and, and miss me with the three and six. Miss me yeah. with the three and six. I can't stand people that look at the record. Three and six. I'm with it. I know that's the record. No, I, yeah, right. the numbers do lie yeah. sometimes. Three and six. Yeah. Like to me, a six and oh is great. But there's something to be said for going nine, going on ten times. I mean, my goodness. Well, I, will, I, I know you, you're going to have a real problem with this as, as, as I okay. say this. Okay. I'm going to see it. Don't say it. Your face. 
No, I'm going to say, oh, what, what? Oh, I can't say something you're going to have a problem with? I'm going to push you a little bit. I'm going to push you. Um, All right, go ahead. I don't, you mentioned LeBron taking the Cavaliers to the finals two separate times, two separate stints. Yep. One, yep. okay, one after the owner said, he will never win. This self-proclaimed king will never win before, uh, before we do. Wrong. Okay, that's wrong. Yep. So he did twice yep. with Cleveland. He went with Miami. He's about to go with the Lakers. I will tell you, Michael Smith, I don't think that LeBron James is the best player I've ever seen in NBA history, but he is the right. only player capable of doing that. I don't think Michael Jordan could have done that. I don't think Magic Johnson could have done that. Um, no, no, yeah, they couldn't have. You're right, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. You drop that's, them, that's you take them. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Okay, I don't think ridiculous. they could It's also easy no. to say. It's also easy to say. It's also easy to say. It's easy Tell to me say why it's because wrong. we never Tell had me why to wrong. see it. Tell me I'll why tell it's you wrong. where to begin. Because you never really had yeah, to well, see it. Unless you, want to hold the fact, unless you want to hold the fact that Michael Jordan didn't take the Washington Wizards to the finals, then okay, Magic Johnson didn't play for any other teams, you know, in his prime. Now, if you want to, if you want to recognize LeBron for having a, a, an endless prime, which it seems like he does, that's one thing. But if you, Michael you, you, Jordan you, you, had bounced around the league, if Tim Duncan had bounced around the league, if Shaquille O'Neal had bounced around the league in his prime, and even look what he did for Miami when he went there, if Kobe Bryant had left the Lakers, don't tell me that no those chance. dudes wouldn't have gone to the finals. No chance. Don't tell me not, that. Not, not like That's that. Just, not, not four different teams? Uh -uh. No. No, couldn't have done it. It's a special skill. They wouldn't skill. have moved four different times. It's a special skill. I don't think anybody else could have done it. I won't talk about football, but go ahead. You said you wanted to tell me why we came back, that LeBron is the only person who could take essentially four different teams uh, to the finals. Why? It's exactly, I'm going to use a, a very smart, one of the smartest men uh, in the media, one of the smartest people, regardless of gender, one of the smartest people in the media. I'm going to use it. I heard this guy say recently, I can't remember the exact time, a guy who said LeBron is a dynasty all by himself. Oh, oh, oh it was you. Oh, you said it. Okay, so I'm going to take your words and apply them to this argument. You're exactly right. So go ahead and argue against yourself if you want to, uh, Mike Smith. LeBron James came into a, a Cavalier situation with uh, a no-name general manager, a franchise that hadn't done much, no great players alongside him, and he took something from nothing. I feel like I'm preaching. Jordan did. <laughs> That's what that's like he spoke to dry bones. Yeah, he spoke to dry bones. Like sure. That's also what Jordan did. But keep cooking. Go ahead. Keep cooking. Keep cooking. Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm, so, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for the part where you prove your point. He had no great players. Right. Larry Bird came into a league where I uh, came to a franchise where Red Auerbach, maybe the greatest, the smartest man in the history of the NBA, also brought in Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. Magic Johnson started on a team that, oh, oh, I don't know, had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar on the roster and Jerry West as a general manager. My point is, they had a lot surrounding them. Jerry Krause surrounded Michael Jordan with two, two eras of great players. First, Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant. Then, Dennis Rodman and others. So, don't tell me, don't tell me that those guys could have left those great situations overall cultures, good, good sports cultures, and just gone somewhere else 
You don't know who the GM yes, is? Yes, they could have. Yes, you they could have. No. See, everything no, you said was have. so no, wrong. You was loud no. and wrong. You were loud no. and wrong. And you know better than just be loud loud and wrong. That's no. Okay. No. Okay, Michael, you are the you are the one of the, if not the best writers I know. I'm not even qualified. You are the best writer I know. See, you know that words matter. You need to be you need to be. All you did. Anyway, go ahead. Oh yeah, probably. All you did was tell me what magic and bird and Jordan didn't do didn't do it doesn't mean that they couldn't have done it mm. they weren't okay. forced to do it they didn't choose to do it but i'll be damned if i let you sit up here and tell me that michael jordan tim duncan magic johnson larry bird could not have situation. transformed franchises they could have transformed franchises the same way lebron did and they're going to the finals no matter where they played you bet you basically they, telling me that those guys were products they of their could have environment. done it come on man no no don't no, do no. That. They, don't do that no the environment do was part of the story that's part of the story yes it is and that's why yes when, 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 but, that's but that's in an alternate universe i'm i'm, I'm talking about an, if hypothetically had they left you have no comparison you can't you cannot compare it? jordan's career to lebron's career they had different career paths they've done sure. different things Just just like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar won a championship with Oscar in Milwaukee, and then he won yeah. a championship with Magic in L.A. If they'd have changed teams as much time. back then, he and, and okay, done. now can I can I can I can I play a hater on TV? Can I just play one because I don't subscribe to yeah, them? Can I just play one on TV? No, you, 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 okay. no you're playing one. There's a lot in of you people. A it's in, no, it's in you a little ain't, bit. Ain't, ain't, ain't that, a, ain't ain't a hater. You let the hater gene in me. It's all holleration. I'm all about holleration. Not hateration, all right? Come on, not, bring it out. not in me. That Let's is not it. in me. But there are some people, some people will point out that LeBron had to leave to go to Miami to join up with Wade and Bosch and then okay. left to go back That's to one. Cleveland where Kyrie and Kevin Love were there. With, with, with Kyrie. Kyrie was there and Love joined afterward and then went to L.A., and had to get Anthony Davis to L.A. That's not me saying that. I'm simply right. saying, if you want to play the game to tell me what Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and all these people couldn't have done because of their circumstances was so great, LeBron, for the most they part, done four times. has also had... Nobody has ever won anything without without help. Let's just start there. Nobody's ever oh, won oh, anything yeah. without help. Right. Oh, no. I, listen, Mike. I'm not saying that help is a bad thing. I think everybody, all So I'm saying players, LeBron got it in different spots. Just because the organization gave it to Jordan in Chicago or you know, the bird in Boston or the magic in L.A. doesn't mean that LeBron didn't need it and didn't get it in his own way. Head. The difference between LeBron all and those them, guys is he took his own destiny in his own hands. All of them, all of them, and they, they didn't ask for this. I mean, like, Jordan had no idea. He's in North Carolina. He didn't know who's going to take him third. It should have been Portland. You know, they screwed up. Took Sam Bowie over, over Jordan. You don't know who's going to draft you. You don't know if it's going to be a good general manager. You don't know if it's a good organization. You don't know any of that stuff. What I'm saying, though, going to Boston for Larry Bird, a tradition. The Celtics had a tradition. They won championships before him. The Lakers won championships before Magic. Uh, the Bulls hadn't won anything before Jordan, but it was a good situation that was created not only was with it? the players, oh, okay. but okay, but, right, but the right, hires right. Doug Collins and he hires Phil Jackson. I'm saying those guys started here, and LeBron started there. They had a head start. Do you, do you agree they had okay. a major head start on him? 
I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm okay. not disagreeing with any of that. But I don't know if, I don't, if I, you, you're listening, but you're not hearing me, Billy Hoyle. Yeah, I don't true. know if you can hear Jimmy right now. I don't know if you can hear Maybe. Jimmy. Maybe. What I'm saying, Maybe. what I'm saying to you is simply what I'm, at least what I'm hearing from you is you're okay. telling me it's that C word that I have an issue with. You're telling me that the Mount, that a Mount Rushmore of players, you're telling me that Bird and Magic and Jordan and the like could not have taken other franchises to similar heights. And I fundamentally reject that. I fundamentally reject the idea that okay. those dudes could have this? hopped around the Let league, me help you. joined up Let with their friends. Let me help you a little help. bit. Man, yes, you help. do. Maybe they could have done it two help. times. Maybe they could have done it two times. Bruh. Maybe Bruh. they could do it three times. I'm telling Bruh. you, nobody we, but LeBron. We, we, hey, you know what? Where's Maya? I want to talk to Maya. You get out the chair. I talked to Maya. She'd tell you you were tripping too. She would tell you you're tripping too. Because she knows that. That's all right. But I, but I take that from her, though. I'll take that from her. Oh, you're back. I thought it was going to be Maya in that seat. It's actually you. You calm? I thought it was. <laughs> you calm? Or you want some more of this smoke? You want some more smoke? You want some more of this smoke? Or are you good? I, 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 didn't, I didn't know you were providing it. I didn't know you were providing it, Mike. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, Mike, we have we have conversations all the time, and and it, this is what's so much fun about uh, what we're doing. It's just an extension of what we always do. So, uh, I, I feel very comfortable in this space, just having these conversations with you that I've had before. And I said to you earlier this morning, I said, Mike, I have a thought. I'll share with I'll share it with you when we sit down and, and we talk uh, in several hours. And I said, just a, a revelation. And it's not a stunning revelation because people have had it before, but. There's so many opinions, and it, it's such a, a polar, just polar reaction, a polarizing reaction. When we talk about Breonna Taylor, and some people are just way on this side. Oh, this is, they got it right. They got it right. And then other people who are saying, this is an injustice. Where do we go from here? And I think it, People are complicated. People are different. But I think if it really, if you really boil it down, it comes to this. It comes down to this, for the most part. Black Americans have experienced tension with the police. So it is all reasonable to them. It is all plausible. Like these things that are said about police officers are plausible to them. And for the most part, white Americans don't look at, they don't look at it that way. That is not their experience. So, I mean, ultimately that's where the tension is happening. Where you have white Americans who are pulled over by the police, it happens all the time. There is not this fear that you're going to die. When you have this conversation about uh, when your child starts to drive, you're not having a conversation about, hey, keep your hands at 10 and 2, identify to the, the police talker. officer that you are reaching. The, the, the existence of the talk tells you all you need to know. There should not be a talk. Hey, when, when we can get rid of the talk, then we're, at a, we're in a different place in society. I don't want to. I'm going to tell you, Mike, I don't want to do it. I don't want to have a talk. I don't want to have the talk. Bruh. Trust I don't. Me. I don't want to do Trust that. Trust me. Because, because I have my own. I got my own baggage. Now this is this is where every parent can identify with this. I've got, and I'm honest enough to know 
that I got my own issues. I got my own insecurities. I've got my own baggage. And my goal as a parent is not to pass it on. So yeah. do I, on one hand, my job, along with my wife, our job is to make sure yeah. we put our children in, in the best positions, right? We'll make, put, put them in the best position to be successful, to protect them, to, to give them knowledge, with that same to guide thing. them. I struggle with that same on, thing. Okay, so I want to do that. So yeah. given that, I probably need to have a talk with you. On the other hand, I don't want to sell passing my down junk pain. on you. You're passing down pain. Michael, our, 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 our education with our children when it comes to race, our younger ones. My oldest is Angela Davis in the making, just on her own. So Savannah's, Savannah's incredible, okay? Um, the younger two, especially especially Maya. It's funny, okay? You met the, our audience met Maya. Obviously, you know Maya. She's the best. Right. Bro, I wasn't, I, I'm sorry. And maybe this to your point. Maybe this makes me somewhat irresponsible. But you best believe I wasn't telling no eight-year-old why a white man was kneeling on a police officer, the same police officer, by the way, or not the same police officer, but the same profession that drove by the neighborhood and put their sirens on for my kid's birthday. The same people who, you know, were taught to believe are here to protect and serve. You best believe I wasn't telling my eight-year-old daughter about a man getting his neck kneeled off in nine minutes. Like, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, you know, because you know what we do when we tell them this? We rob yeah. them of their innocence. Society has stolen enough from black people to where I don't want to be complicit in the theft of my children's innocence. I want them to be children oh, as long as they Ooh. can be. I want them to be children as long as they can be. Because I don't remember when I had the talk. That talk you're talking about, Michael, I don't remember when I had it. I don't remember. I don't remember the first time. I don't remember when I started being fearful of police. It's just ingrained in me. It's all I've ever known. And so I, I was, I was, I tr you try to protect your children from that, but if, you, if, if they grow up naive, I mean, my son's voice is as deep as mine. He's almost as tall as me. I can't not educate my son about, you know, about, about these. So it's like, what do we do? But go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to. So no, 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 no. This is uh, no, no. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. And this is this is what I'm talking about. This is why I say when I said earlier, things are, are, are more complicated than they appear on the surface. And so I think that's what it comes down to, because I do not believe everybody. I, 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 I welcome disagreement. Everybody who disagrees with me is not evil. Everybody who sees it a different way than I do, that's all right. They, they, I can understand why they're coming to, in, in some cases, okay, let's just be clear. It's not, like some people just don't want to see your black behind coming, all right? They just don't, they, as soon as you show up, they don't want to see you. Okay, I'm not talking about people like that, okay? They, they, there are other issues there. But I'm talking about people who have a different experience they don't have answers in their head before the story plays out. They are experiencing life just like we are. So they, they come from an experience where I can't imagine. Well, why would a police officer lie? Why would, why would he say that and, and that didn't happen? Like, why do you think this would happen? Because that's not their experience. Whereas there are many, not all, but there are many African-Americans who have that experience who have seen it, who it has happened to them or people that they love. And that is just part of their daily preparation. Mike, I can tell you the truth. I don't know what the number is for you. I have met, well, I have heard, met one, heard about the other. I have heard about two black people in my life who have said they have never experienced any racism. 
One was a physician. One was a physician in Ohio. He said, he never, and I, he said, I asked him, I said, have you ever, you know, on your journey going to the top of your profession, have you ever experienced? He said, no, man, no, I just, he said, I'm really, he sat there like this. He was like, well, I, I just can't, I can't think of anything. I said, okay. Yeah. All right. And the other one, you know, Armstrong Williams, you know that name? Uh, conservative yeah, comment- yeah, yeah. Conservative commentator. Yeah. He did something yeah. one time with uh, Al Sharpton. They were doing like the barbershop thing. Sorry, LeBron. They did yeah. it before you did. So they were sitting yeah. in the barbershop just talking. And uh, Armstrong Williams said, hey, I was raised well. Uh, he had great parents, loving environment. I'm sorry, never experienced racism. And Al Sharpton he did, said, he did, he did, he did the Damon Wayans? No, sir. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to go. No, sir. Damon, <laughs> is there racism in America? No, sir. <laughs> if it is, I ain't seen it. <laughs> Sharpton, Sharpton said, Armstrong, man, you're something else. So I, I think there are people, there are people who have different views of it. And, and, and some of them, some of them are black people who will look at this and say, I just got to go with, I, I got to go with the cops. And I think that's where the, the tension starts there. In this particular conversation, there are some people who just, they can't reckon, they can't wrap their minds around it. They can't reconcile what the protests are about, what the protesters are saying and their experience. So there's their experience, or their experience over here and what the protesters are saying over here. And it just doesn't connect. No, 100 percent, 100 percent. It makes the conversation difficult. And what makes it especially difficult because what those people often do is instead of instead of just laying out, um, instead of um, instead of just not trying to speak on something they don't know or don't understand, or, or better yet, empathizing um, and advocating, um, even if it's not their experience. I mean, by the way, shout out to Matthew Stafford. We haven't talked about that. I don't think the last couple of weeks. Who wrote a powerful article for the Players Tribune recognizing his white privilege. Um, what they do is try to discredit it and say, well, not only I don't, I don't believe you, but you're lying or you deserved it. And, you know, I, I hesitated. You know this because we talked about it this morning and I said to you, I was like, yeah, man. I was like, you want to talk about Charles Barkley today? Yeah. Because I, I don't. That's what I tell because I don't. And, and we both like him, right? Everybody, he's that uncle yeah. that says stupid-ish. That's what he is. It's like, it's almost like he can't pick your family. It's almost like we were all kind of giving Charles Barkley as, our, as, as family, and we just can't do nothing about yeah. him. You know what I mean? Because it's like he, he's entertaining, but he consistently... I don't know why he has been assigned. Well, I know why. I do know why. I'll take that back. I do know why. He's been assigned credibility within this conversation about race that he does not deserve. But and he's, he's been assigned, assigned that credibility like- by the wrong people to weaponize his opinions against us. So, because he has an opinion, what? 
I know, I was just going to say, but he's always, he's always going to get that. that. That's the beauty, that is the beauty and, and the curse uh, of Charles Barkley, that he is so entertaining, Mike, and he yes, is so relatable. Yes, so, comes with the package. Yeah. He is so relatable to so many people, and that is a gift. That really is that you want to listen to Charles Barkley on everything because he'll the make same you people, laugh. The yeah, same yeah. people that were ripping him on Twitter last night, and rightfully so, and are ripping in the day, are going to tune in to TNT next week because they got the yeah. best studio show on television. So I, I get that. But I'm saying when it comes to race, I wish they stopped asking this dude what he thinks about matters of race. But I know why they ask him, the, and, I, and I know why people continue to quote him. Because what he becomes is that token, and we got a word for it, we got a word for it in our community and I'm not going to use, but he becomes that token dude that people on the right or rather the wrong, but people on the right or who are on the quote-unquote other side of this conversation about my humanity, and I've said a million times, my, my humanity is not a conversation. A conversation has multiple perspectives. There is no perspective. There is no debate when it comes to my, my humanity and the people that look like me. So it's not a conversation. It's not both sides. But okay. But the people who choose to take the side, specifically in the case of Breonna Taylor, that essentially she had it coming or her boyfriend Kenneth Walker brought it, brought her death upon her, like Charles Barkley said, when he shot. Actually, you know what? Just play the sound from Charles Barkley in case you missed it. Go ahead, roll the sound from Charles Barkley, and I'll, I'll come back to it. Go ahead, roll it. Just bad the young lady lost her life. Uh, but, you know, we do have to take into account that her boyfriend did shoot at the cops and shot a cop. So, like I say, even though I'm really sorry she lost her life, I don't think that we can just say we can put this in the same situation with George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey. I just don't believe that. And a lot, unfortunately, there are a lot of people, majority of them white, some black people, like Charles, yeah. who, who, who believe that same thing. First of all, far be it from, and, I love, and, I, and Charles has been good to me, I, but I don't, I don't shower. You know, we talk about uncle, we talk about family, we talk about friends. You ain't a real friend if you can't criticize him. Um, far be it from Charles to actually look into the facts of the situation. And I love how people say, well, do you know the facts? Do you know the facts? They, they, they always pick the convenient facts that they're referencing. See, everybody wants to say that Kenneth Walker, the, 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 legally, the, the, the legal owner of a firearm, and you don't have to have a license to have a firearm in your home in Kentucky, the legal owner of a firearm fired at what he thought was intruders. And again, I said this the other day. They blame him for doing so because they want to paint him as somebody who had a death wish and was looking to have a shootout with the cops. Because when it's black people, that's real believable. Not a white dude walking down the street with a machine gun in the middle of a protest who just shot people. He's not a threat to the cops. But the guy who shot somebody that after you broke into his home, oh yeah, he just wanted to get in the shootout with the cops. So because he fired off one shot at the cops, 32 needed to be returned, killing Breonna Taylor in her own home. But okay. Forget the fact that they tried to charge him and they dropped the charges against Kenneth Walker. But what ends up happening and why it's so dangerous and why I was reluctant, Michael, to even give Charles Barkley stupidity the time of day today. And again, Charles has been great to me. It pains me to have to do this. But it's like but it's dangerous because what ends up happening is the same people who tell LeBron and others, hell, who told me to stick to sports. Yeah, Those same people ain't saying shut up and dribble this morning. They're not saying shut up and dribble this morning. They're saying, see, 
Charles Barkley gets it. Charles Barkley is the only one of you who's a, not afraid to tell the truth. Charles Barkley yeah, like, understands yeah. that yeah. the boyfriend shot at their Okay, man. So thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks a lot for setting the conversation, for, for further messing up the quote-unquote conversation by spewing your BS on national television. No, but, Everybody no, but I disagree with that. Because Charles, Charles Barkley is that black friend in their head a lot of times. Go ahead, Michael. No, but I disagree with that, though. I disagree with that, uh, Mike, because the conversation... The conversation doesn't belong. It doesn't belong to me. It doesn't belong to you. It doesn't belong to Charles Barkley. So now here's the problem. The problem is that the conversation has has taken it either leans left. This is how it's framed. It's either it's it's a left leaning conversation or a right-leaning conversation, which is why we can take... It's a conversation. Well, well, I I know, know, I agree with that. What I'm saying is, it is usually framed that way. Okay, this guy is a liberal, so he looks at it this way. This guy is a conservative. He looks at it this way. This guy's black. And he says it, he says what we conservatives agree with, so he's all right. And see, I think that's all wrong. That's all wrong. Look, if, if, we are, if we're really going to be honest about this thing, Mike, we have to say this. It is, as you pointed out very well, it is the real thing she should have said. I'm not going to say her name. The real thing she should have said was, shut up and dribble unless you agree with me. Yeah. Now, if you agree with me, it's good. Just like, hey, I don't think athletes should protest unless they agree with me. If they're protesting and they're, they're saying, hey, I, I, I'm all about the military. I'm all about the flag. I'm all about uh, uh, number 45, all these things. Okay, great. That's an athlete. We like that he's be more than an athlete. But if, yeah. they're going, if they're saying something that don't agree with your politics, you want them to sit down and shut up. We're all guilty of that. And if we can't get to that point of honesty, we're lost. I'm guilty no, of that. No. I know I am. Oh. I well, am. that's you. That's you. No, I'm, I'm not. You're not guilty that. of that. Okay, well, we you're gonna, not guilty of that. No, no, You're I'm not, not guilty because of... it's right and because because it's not left and right. It's right and wrong, and in matters of right and wrong, I know I'm on the right side of history when it comes to stuff like this. When it comes uh, to which, some, when it when it comes to when it when it comes to the brutal the, the brutalization of black and brown bodies throughout this country, I, I don't even call it politics. I don't no, even no, call no, it no, politics. No, 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 no. I'm not saying it's well, not. Wait a minute. It's not. But I'm saying it's not a matter of opinion. It's not a matter no, of no, opinion no, no, as far no, as I'm no, concerned. See, That's not, what I'm saying. Not, let me just what am clear. I missing I from you? Yeah, what wait, am I missing? Wait, I'm sorry. Maybe I'm misconstruing what you're saying. What, what yes. Yes. Let me be clear. What am I missing? Absolutely. You're talking about life and death. You're talking about somebody being killed and no accountability for that killing. That is not about politics. That's not about oh, how I feel about it. What I'm saying yeah, yeah, is when we, yeah. when, we, when we are celebrating athletes who speak out. Not in a matter of life, yes. life and death, but athletes yes. who speak out. Hey, they're speaking their truth. We we will applaud it if the truth, if their truth is kind of aligned with ours. And if it's not, then we'll have an okay. issue with it. I'll give you I'll give an example. Generally, I'm generally I understand what you're saying. I understand. Yeah, but I'm not talking about it. I'm saying yeah, yeah, I, just, I, got, I got you. I'm saying it, if when an athlete speaks out on an issue. Okay, and I'm not saying I'm always right. I'm not saying I can't see the other side. What I'm simply, there's a nuanced disagreement with what I'm having with you. What I'm simply saying is, there. and you even said this yesterday, I've said it a million times, we're echoing each other. There are no two sides to certain issues. 
Right. And so if an right. athlete Certain speaks issues, out, right. I yes. will say, sit down and shut up. If you're saying something that is less than constructive to an issue that does not have two sides, that is an issue of right or wrong. This is not a political issue. This is an issue of humanity. This is not a matter of opinion. This is not, this is not about what flavor of ice cream you like. Oh, I, I got you. Yeah, we're, we're, so that's we're, all we're, I'm we're saying. Is it's like, no, I, if you have an opinion different from mine, that's cool. If you have, but if we're talking about basic humanity and right or wrong, that's not up for discussion. And when somebody comes out and saying, well, we got to remember that his boyfriend shot at the cops first, dude, I don't want to, I don't want to paint with a broad brush. No, no, because you can't. White because Americans, there are, but there are white Americans in this country who, for whom the second amendment, the second amendment is their first priority when it comes to the constitution. Okay. Nothing is more sacred in this country than the second amendment. Right. But when we got a gun and when we protect ourselves, we're criminals. We deserve to die. We deserve to die when, we, when we're in our house. So a pol police officers need to have the right to go home to their families. We don't have the right to come home to ours. That's not a discussion. That's historical fact. So anybody saying that, you damn right I'm going to tell them to sit down and shut their ass up. Damn right I'm going to say well, that. Because, that is not, because, because you're hurting the di whatever dialogue that needs to happen for, for progress's sake. You're hurting it when people can say, oh, well, look what Charles Barkley said. But this is where I disagree with shutting that down. I don't want, I, the, the problem is not what, what Charles, Bar Charles Barkley stating his opinion. He has a right to be wrong with his opinion, okay? That's not the problem. The problem is, because he said what he felt. Whether I like it or not, he said what he thought based on his information or lack thereof, right? The problem is somebody essentially gave him a retweet without giving any thought to it themselves. And so, hey, don't, don't just kind of, uh, don't, don't just jump on Charles Barkley's opinion and then say, see, no, 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 that's not, we're not having a, that's not a conversation. You're just kind of throwing that into the, uh, the talk soup it, no, and then no, standing Michael, back. Michael. Michael, the problem is the problem is this is not just a, 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 an ignorant opinion. Yeah, you're right. The First Amendment does give us the right to free speech and it gives us the right to our opinion and the right to voice that opinion. OK, but this is not just any old opinion. We, we talked the other day about how dangerous and how damaging Skip Bayless's opinion was as relates to mental health. Right. This is life or death. We're talking about we're literally talking about life or death. And there are laws written in this country from the perspective that Charles Barkley espoused last night. And, there, and, and, yeah. and people and, and, and police officers conduct themselves and, and, and prosecutors and grand juries. They all conduct when it comes to black and brown people. We are guilty until proven innocent. I got it. We're but, never okay, innocent. But let's say so but when Charles right. says stuff but, like that, the reason I, I just can't dismiss it as stupidity and the reason why it frustrates me. And again, the reason why I didn't want it, we talked about it for 20 minutes now. The reason I didn't want to give it any more life is because the more people hear it, the more it's because, it, it you know, this man, if somebody's somebody that you respect or admire says what you think or, or that confirms what I think. Oh, right. Exactly. Charles. Yeah, exactly. No, but I think we got to do we got to do we got to do more than that. We got to do more than that. And, and I do respect him.
I do respect Charles Barkley, but I can respect him and say, no, that doesn't sound right to me. Let me look at it. Now, all of the things out there, and this is where I say, uh, and, and I get so annoyed, Mike, and you, you, you've, I, I don't know if you've heard me say this over the years, but I really, ooh, it just burns me when people talk about, well, that's the perception, and perception is reality. I say, well, change your perception. Get some more information. So if Charles Barkley, who you respect, and he entertains you, and he's funny, and he's a Hall of Famer, if he says something, that it is reckless for you, American citizen, who's got the same information that he has, to just sit there and take it. And if you sit there and take it, I got a real problem with that. So yes, go ahead. How, I, you have the right, Charles Barkley, to go ahead and say it. But if, if somebody is looking at you, a studio analyst, who you point out, let's be real here, I'll say it, I'll say it, you don't have to. A studio analyst who barely knows sometimes who the eighth man is for the Denver Nuggets, or the eighth man is, hold on, hey, hold on, no, 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 turn that down. No, no, hold no, on, yet, don't do yet. that, don't do that. Don't, don't do that, don't do that, stop, stop. Hold on. A studio analyst who barely knows the eighth man for the, for the Lakers or the Miami Heat, and they make fun of him for that. If you think this guy whose expertise is supposed to be on basketball and he doesn't even always have basketball expertise is going to tell you about the law in Kentucky and you're going to accept it without investigation, I think that's crazy too. I happen to think that's nuts. Don't you? I do. And unfortunately, there are people who do it. It is, it is part of, it's another one of the burdens and responsibilities of being black. I'm not saying we all have to think alike, Michael. I'm not saying that. We don't all think alike. We don't. You and I don't think alike. Right. I'm not saying that he has to say what I different? want him to say. How are you different? I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that he has to say what I want him to say. I'm saying, and, and part of the reason why it's so disappointing is because I do like Charles. He's been nice to me. He's been good to me. Like he's supported me, you know, like he's a, he's a good dude. But when he says these things, he has given a level of people. He has people's attention. And when you have a platform and when you say certain things like that, people take it as gospel, unfortunately. And okay. you're right. Those people need to do better. But in the meantime, he has a responsibility. He has a responsibility. So, OK, apparently we got to take a break. Well, let's, 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 we'll leave it there. We'll put a pin in it. All we'll right. park. This, leave it there. We'll, we'll come All back. Right. We'll come back to it. See, Michael, you got to learn how to wrap it up. We've been keeping our man Trill with us, waiting. He's been waiting patiently while you've been rambling, Michael Holly. Trill, what's up, I man? How so. you doing? I'm good, man. I'm ready to go backstage and finish listening to, uh, to what y'all were saying. Uh, I mean, I, look, if you, if, first of all, Trill with us from the Fun Report. Uh, does an amazing podcast with NBA legends. Knows all things NBA. Follow him on Twitter. Great name, by the way. Um, I appreciate that. But, Thank uh, you. No, I mean, listen, if you, did you want to weigh in on that or it's totally up to you? If you were hearing what we were saying about Charles and the conversation, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, that's what I, I came in. I missed the original point, but I do think I, I agree with you, Michael Smith, about it, it. It's so dangerous about saying the things that Charles said with the kind of platform that he has. Because it's very easy to go off that and point back to that. So I, I think I, from what I've heard, I, I agree with the side you were on there. Yeah, no, and, and, and but we know we all on the same team, though. So uh, I, I understand where you were coming from, too, Michael. I know we were passionate, but I understand where you're coming from, Michael. So, 
Yeah, I mean, uh, well, well, Trill, what what are you seeing in the uh, the NBA playoffs right now, or or, or uh, is there a particular series that, that's getting your attention? Honestly, I'm a I'm a big Kentucky guy, man. So I'm just enjoying mm. it from all aspects. <laughs> like I got AD in LA, Jamal's killing it, Harold Bammer killing it. And some are saying that the Celtics wouldn't be where they are without Ennis Cantor. And people forget that Ennis Cantor went to Kentucky. So I love that. Three one three way, yeah. I'm looking good either way. I have been really impressed with Tyler Harrow though. Like Murray, uh, Murray, I knew he had this in him. He showed some of it last postseason. But Harrow this early doing it is is a pleasant surprise for me. Talk about pleasant surprises. I'm just looking at our screen. I that's an amazing stat. The most points in a single postseason by alumni, <laughs> Kentucky, this postseason. That's that's pretty awesome. John Calipari we, is, we ain't is got no yet. Yeah, that's right. So they, they put it out of reach. You're absolutely right. I didn't think about that. They, y'all ain't done. Um, so let's, let's focus on Jamal Murray then, man. I mean, Mike Malone used the S word the other day. We've been talking about it for the last couple of days. We saw what the man did last night. You know, you're an NBA expert, so I know you hold this title sacred. Superstar. Absolutely. Already for Jamal Murray? I think so. I think with what we're seeing now, like we see, like Giannis won back to back MVPs deserved. And then the playoffs back to back years, they had answers for him. I think we're starting to see if you're a superstar, if you're a, a 16 game guy, I think Draymond calls him over an 82 game guy, that this is when you show up. And he showed up first round against Utah, second round against the Clippers. And now they're down. I mean, this is where they've normally been, but it, it's not because of his fault. He can get a shot off at any point. You can't really scheme him out of a series with the way he can get hot. So I'm I'm leaning toward agreeing with Mike Malone. I need to know this. Now, you said you're from Kentucky and giving all, all kinds of love to Kentucky. Why are you wearing that uh, old school Vancouver Grizzlies? There's got to be a story with that. That's just a fire story. Like, that's just a... You can be a fan of anybody and get that head off. The old Vancouver Grizzlies is just a great throwback. Absolutely. Just like a, you just like it for throwback purposes. Hey, uh, who, who do you who we got? Who we got winning this thing, man? We've been going back and forth, and we're talking about LeBron and and uh, how he's about to, I think, about to go to his tenth finals. Uh, like, who who do you see just coming away with the uh, this championship? I think it's got to be Lakers. I picked the Lakers before this season. I think it comes down to. The depth in the postseason, all that's nice, but there are five people on the court on each side. The Lakers have the two best ones, right? Like LeBron is the best player left. I think I think Anthony Davis is the second best player left. No other team can say that. And when it comes down to it, I think that's what's going to close out Denver here in five. And I think the Lakers heat. I'm going, give me the Lakers at six. Man, speaking of the Lakers... We ain't even bring up playoff Rondo, another Kentucky dude. Like my goodness, <laughs> we, we even talk about where this come from again. I mean, it, it's, it's, if, if playoff Rondo, if you didn't believe in it before, how can you not believe in it after watching this series? It's either that or they just got to get Rondo's brother to come to like all the Lakers <laughs> games because if that's what gets him going, yeah, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Like defense, offense, keeping the ball moving, he's been tremendous. Hey man, tell me, tell me about the, uh, tell me about what you're doing. Tell me about the fun report. Like, what, what's, what's it about? Uh, it's just me. I'm doing a weekly podcast. I just started on Patreon. It's a couple tiers, 
And I, once a week, I just report on what's going on, just if I'm having fun. Like, there's just not a lot of fun going on in the world right now. Ain't that the so truth. I just like to keep, you know, what's going on if I'm having fun, if I'm not having fun. Currently, I'm not having fun. So maybe it'll change. Why are you not having fun? I, it was some, I, t- I looked into it earlier. That Breonna Taylor stuff, man. Like, it's just, yeah, man. It, it, it's disappointing, but not surprising. Like it doesn't, you know, it's coming. It doesn't make it hurt any less. So it's like now I'm at this point. I'm not, I'm not having much fun there. How have you been processing, or not, not even processing? How have you been? Because we had a we had a conversation yesterday, Trill. We talked about just anger, and 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 how we as just as men, as black men, how we're dealing with that anger. We talked about mental health and how as black people, like the, you know, our mental health is under attack. From all fronts, all the time, it feels like. Just how are you taking care of yourself? How are you, you know, dealing with your emotions right now? Uh, I think it's, I mean, important for all of us, especially now. I think that you have to have either a day or a time that you just put the social media down. Like if it's one day of the week, Sunday, like Sundays, I try to scale back a little bit. Some people do like after 7, 8 p.m. I think you have to do that. I think it's always important to remember that this, like the things that we're fighting for, they take a long time. John Lewis just passed and he fought for these things all his life and we're still going through this. So you can get discouraged now, but uh, we can't stay discouraged because you stay discouraged. I think that's how you, you see no no growth. Hey, man, that's, that's real good advice right there. Hey, that's Trill, a good word right appreciate there. you, man. That's good. Thanks for following through. You Take guys, care of yourself, you, bro. bro. Hey, let's do this again. Likewise. Let's do this again. Definitely, All right, cool. definitely. Thank Be you, good, man. All right, All right Trill. Man. That's real, man. Yeah. You know, it's gotta, sometimes you just got to step away from it. You really just got to step away from it. Um, that's what I did last week. After our first week, I was like, you know, we don't need to meet. Um, <laughs> I was like, let's, <laughs> yeah. just, let's just take a break. Let's just take a break. Uh, now I'm sorry. I don't mean that, Gary. Now take a break. Now I'm at take a break. We can. <laughs> yeah. But but um, but uh, but yo, I want to ask you something because it's hard. It's hard to step away from social on Sundays because on Sundays it's like that's that's NFL. Like now that's it. NFL back, right? So I'm just curious. In general, we got we saw Fitz Magic go off last night uh, on Thursday. That was fun. Fun to watch him. Fun to watch his post game outfit. Blah blah blah. But moving ahead to Sunday. Um, week three in the NFL, like, tell me what you got your eye on. Tell me what you're going to be locked in on week three. And what, are you, what do you think you're going to be talking about come Monday on this show? You know what, Mike? I'm so good with um, – I, I love, I love uh, NFL, NFL Fridays leading into NFL Sundays and Mondays mm-hmm. because I'm so good with spending other people's money. So <laughs> if, 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 you, if you gave me your money – and you said, is this okay, a betting thing again? Is this a betting thing again? We, 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 we got to talk. Into? We need to have a talk. I'm, you know, I, I'm curious. I'm curious about a couple things, though, because you mentioned your guy, and I was surprised that you were so high on him yesterday. We were talking hmm. about Josh Allen. Uh, and, and Josh Allen, you really are loving Josh Allen right now. I'm wondering yeah. what they do against the Rams, because I think the Rams are pretty okay. good. And this is a good test. You know, Josh Allen is putting up these great numbers, but look, they, they've played the Jets uh, and, and they played um, Miami. So mm-hmm. I think this is a really, I think this is a really good test for him. Uh, I think the Bills are favored in this game. But I'm going to go with the Rams. Put your, uh, I'll take your money and put your money on it. I'm not going with mine. 
And the other thing is, uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm curious about Cam Newton. I know uh, John Gruden yeah. called him Slam Newton. Yeah. Uh the Patriots and Raiders, because Cam Newton, did we talk about this yet? Cam Newton sounds very Which much all? like, he sounds very much like a Patriot, doesn't he? I, I, I yeah. Mean, listen, listen to what Cam Newton, we may have the sound. Listen to what Cam Newton said. Somebody asked him a question about his contract. As you all know, he got like a $1 million contract from the Patriots. Listen to this. And, you know, who cares about QBR, who cares about total tackles, who cares about yards after catch, who cares about catches, who cares about yards thrown, who cares about yards rushed, who cares how many touchdowns you threw, ran, or interceptions you've got, or whatever, from youth league, rec ball, football, to high school, to college, to anything type of Anything that requires you keeping score, the most important statistic is, did you win or did you lose? And, yeah, he's right. You know, there's no moral victories. Man, tell me, tell me that that's not Bill Belichick. Is that a Bill Belichick statement or is that a Bill that's Belichick not, statement, Mike Smith? That's not Bill Belichick. I, I, I know what you mean, but I'm actually going to uh, go a different direction. That's not Bill Belichick. That's Cam Newton. See, I think, I think the reason it stands out is in a Patriot uniform and now being a part of the, the Patriots, you know, machine. Don't say it. You're, to the you're, Patriot trying to avoid, way. you're trying to avoid saying it right? the Patriot way. What? No, 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 no. The Patriot no. way. It sounds very Patriot no. way-ish. No, no, that's fine. It's a, it's a thing. It's a, real, it's a thing. We, know it's, we both know it's a thing. Um, I think it's like, oh, okay, this is, you know, he's, he's, he's buying in. No, I think he's fitting in because contrary to popular opinion— I think that's who Cam has always been. I think that's Cam, and we're seeing it. We're seeing it in a different context and with a different perspective and a different environment. And now we're appreciate. I think Cam has always been about winning. I think people misconstrued his his, his flash and his swagger and, and, his, and, his, and his his fashion and, and this, thinking he was some kind of a selfish player who wouldn't fit in with the Patriots. And yet, all you've heard is how hardworking he is, what a great teammate he is. I think you're just hearing it, but I think we're listening to it with a more careful ear saying, oh, okay, that's, that's who he's always been if you paid it. And I'm not saying you didn't, but if his critics have paid attention. And even on the money tip, you brought up the money. He's saying money's not important to him. That's, that's what's scary about it. Because imagine if the Patriots extend this dynasty, because I know that Tom Brady leaving, all that did was reinvigorate Bill Belichick, extend this right. dynasty much the same way they were able to build the first iteration of it, because Brady kept taking below market contracts. Cam says, yo, I've already made my money. Money's not important. So imagine if they sit there and Cam Newton gives them not a hometown discount, you know, but a Beantown discount, and now they're able to put talent around him for years to come. He could, he could resuscitate and, and reinvigorate his career and extend the Patriots dynasty another five years. Yeah. I mean, to, to hear him say that, though, to hear them say that about, you know, just going on and on, yeah, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe he's just he's happy to be in this situation uh, that this was already in him. But now he takes what he already had and and goes to an organization that has Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels and already had Tom Brady. So they're not going to look to him to be any kind of franchise savior. They already got their six Super Bowl titles, so there's no extra pressure on him. Just come out and ball. So it's yeah. probably uh it's probably liberating for him. 
Absolutely. All right. Hey, I think I, we should spend the rest of the show after this break. What's that? I, I ventured because nothing with us is, is short. I think we spend the rest of the show talking about Prince. Oh my god! I, I, I don't. I don't see us getting another topic plus Prince in the last. Take that of our show, through the weekend. Through the weekend. A flashback Friday for you. Oh! oh! Is that the best dunk of all time? Uh, most disrespectful yeah, dunk so. of all time. Yeah, that's the most disrespectful dunk of all time. Uh, well, you know what? Oh. Most impressive in game. Because I got when I think about disrespectful, I do think about uh, Pippen on Ewing when he pushed him down and, and walked over him. Yeah, yeah. This is yeah, ooh, my gosh. You know the craziest part oh. about this? This is this is 20 years ago today. Vince Carter just retired. <laughs> he just retired. I was there. He just retired. Like, literally, you were there? Yeah, that's nuts. I was there in Australia. You, you were at that Co- game? Co- I covered the Olympics, yes. Covering the Olympics uh, for oh, the wow, Boston Globe. I was at that yeah. game. Oh, that's when you missed deadline from Sydney. I do remember that. You, remember, you missed deadline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's right. That happened. That, that happened. Yep. Wasn't 25 hours, that. maybe like 12, 14, <laughs> somewhere like that. Uh, right. But yeah, that was a lot. Of, that was a lot of, man. Twenty years, time goes fast, doesn't it? Hey, Mike. Yeah. So um, listen. Yeah. Go ahead. I know yeah, what you're about to say. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to the same place. We're going yeah, to the same yeah, place yeah. because go for uh, it. there's Step, been a see, sign go go sign of the times reissue. Sixty three previously unreleased tracks. Okay, sixty three tracks. I thought that was like a misprint. I thought like somebody got this wrong. And you talk about unreleased tracks for either the first or second best Prince album of all time. What's, That's a okay. gift. A lot of people think. A lot of people think it's his masterpiece. I agree. I think it's. I think it's his best album. What's What's the one that's in competition? Yeah, I, I thought. You know, I, I was. I've always said "Sign of the Times," but see, it's different because. I, I, just like we were talking about uh, Songs in the Key of Life, a double album. Is a double album kind of, you know, you're kind of skewing it a little bit. You know, you got more of a chance to be right when you've got two albums. And so Sign of the Times, double album versus uh, Purple Rain. Okay. I you figured know? you'd go Purple Rain. There's, there's no wrong answer. There's, there's really no, no wrong, wrong answer. answer when it comes to Prince. And I, I, was telling, I, mean, uh, I was telling Gary, uh, one of our producers, Gary, this the other day, yeah. you know, Prince is so underrated uh, because people focus on that, just like the look, the showmanship, mm. the, the the multiple instruments that he plays, all that stuff, how a man, how a brother would wear heels and you'd be like, yeah, that's the look right there. Yeah. His songwriting, his songwriting always was a little underrated. And by underrated, I mean it wasn't held up with the other stuff. It's on the same level. He's a beautiful, complex I think you're talking to and reading the wrong people then, man, because, I mean, from, from my money, the greatest artist to ever do it, greatest musician of all time, Prince. I mean, literally did everything. Written, composed, arranged, produced, performed. Yeah. I mean, it's just the greatest artist of all time for me. I'm looking uh, forward to this these, is the, uh, looking forward to these tracks. Super Deluxe configuration is eight CDs and a DVD. Two live shows from 1987. By the way, do yourself a favor. Go on YouTube and watch from 1985, March of 85. There's a Syracuse show that came out in May. 
It just released in May. Go watch that too. Sign of the times. Prince. We need it. In these struggle, difficult times, we need Check to give from to the, the God. God. Yes. All right, y'all. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.